Scotty, have you ever traveled back in time? Walking through my town is like traveling back in time every day. Do you ever so so hold like it? So if you go from one direction to the other and traverse ten meter ten meters, that you've gone back in time. But if you go the opposite direction, do you ever go forward in time? Do you do you ever you know if you walk far enough, will you eventually get proper telephony and, and internet? I think proper telephony and internet is unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> We've been okay, supposed so to be having uh, on the sort of national main national provider, British Telecom, who do most of the cabling in this country. Um, my town has been on a fibre coming by the end of the year for a number of years now. Yeah, so you're 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 really trying to make it into the Bronze Age before you worry about the the glass fibre age. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We we did work out once um, when uh, we were trying to do some data transfer between my house and Dave's house that. Um, uh, 64 gigabyte USB sticks and mortars would be faster. <laughs> oh, poor Scotty. Well, I, I had a, a time travel experience today. Would you like to know about it? John, I cannot wait. I, I detected a, a small bit of sarcasm in there. You want to try that again? Okay, John, nothing would please me more than to hear your story of your time traveling today. <laughs> I don't know whether I really believe that, but in the interest of time, I think I'll go forward. So uh, you remember you visited the Findry office. It's in this neighborhood called Hayes Valley, which is next to Civic Center, where there are all these buildings, including uh, the the opera building and the Davy Symphony Hall. And uh, uh, fairly often I take a walk there and, and every now and then you see all sorts of things going on at City Hall or at the opera and you kind of wonder what's going on. And and, and after a while, you start to, to just ignore it. But the other day, I was walking towards Civic Center and passing in front in this area between the Opera Building and the Davy Symphony Hall, and there was a film shoot going on. It's like, okay, well, I've seen those before, and I figured to myself that they are filming something about you know how how the mayor has been bought and sold ten times over. But it wasn't that. I stopped dead in my tracks because I noticed that there were a bunch of people walking around with uh, having Next logos on their shirts, on their badges, on pins, and stuff like that. It's like, wow, that's really weird. What's going on? I've entered some parallel universe and so i stopped and i was chatting with the guy and i said what's going on he says well we're, we're filming a, a you know we're, we're making a film here and i go oh really w- w- you know why are the next things oh well it's the steve jobs biopic and this is the section where they they launched the next computer in 1988 so it was it was trippy so i was chatting with him for a little while longer and i was wanting to take pictures but uh, i said can i have a picture of this he says, no, no no we're not supposed to tell you any of this so actually i i went back and did some research on the internets and found out that that uh Yes, it is indeed true. What they were doing, Seth Rogen is playing Steve Wozniak, and and uh, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender, is is playing Steve Jobs, and uh, it looks like it would be a pretty interesting movie. They actually had a a casting call um, where they were looking for tech folks. Um, f- between a certain age range that could go back and, and fill in and uh, presumably be things like extras in the audience or, or maybe scruffy developers and stuff. So I told them, it's like, I used to develop software. You, I worked on software during that era. And, uh, and, this, and anyway, I didn't manage to make it into the film, but it was a fun experience, which gave me this nice, positive, happy feeling about Apple, which is good because, and there is a because, I've had some, some 
somewhat less positive experiences in the last couple of days while I was working on. But I'm going to catch a breath while we pause for a moment to allow the, the listening audience to sink in. Or rather, this to sink into the allow, audience. Allow the listening audience to sink <laughs> to sink into the into the sand, so they is, don't have to listen to this Is that the same anymore. as diminish? <laughs> fade, you know, Scotty, fade away. <laughs> exactly. Don't fade away. You know, Scott. I'm just not talking to you anymore. We're going to have radio silence for at least the next second. All right, I'm back. Okay, so do you think? Um, did Did you tell Michael Fassbender about your uh, your problems with uh, with Coco Touch? Yeah, I did. Actually, I started doing that. I was expecting as Steve Jobs. I mean, I know that he's not software engineers, but I expected him to at least engage in it. He just gave me a look and it's like, dude, I'm a fucking actor. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm making SAG scale on this, but please, <laughs> you can't pay me enough. And actually on that thing, that was another interesting thing I noticed is that the reason why everybody was out and about is because it was lunchtime. And, uh, uh, they had all these signs, and so they said SAG line here, non-SAG there. SAG stands for the Screen Actors Guild, so that even if you want to play an extra, you know you have an advantage if you are a card-carrying member of, of, of the, the union, the Screen Actors Guild. And I was looking at it, and it turned out that if you wanted to be in the movie, you would only get whatever the prevailing minimum wage. But since San Francisco is a communist town, uh, you would get like a, a, a whopping ten dollars uh, an hour in addition to the, the bragging rights for having been an extra in the movie. But it was kind of fun because I was trying to fill in all the details uh, because I, I did leave a note about it and I will include that in the show notes. Uh, but it's, funnily enough, uh, they are not really being true to history in that the unveiling took place at Davies Symphony Hall, which is across the street. They did it in the opera. But uh doesn't matter. Uh, well, it's just, you know, they have to have these mistakes so that people like you and me can um, well, have not something me, to do with our lives. People like you. Yeah. No, you know nothing either. Other people that we know in our industry can pick these things apart. Mm. But there we are. So well, there we are. It's, uh, it's it's isn't it a bit weird that uh, they're making movies about our industry? I mean, you know, we have been for many years considered, you know, the dullest bunch of people in existence. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and now, so do you think Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak in this movie will be involved in a car chase of any form? Probably, and I think you know. So I, I want to know who's going to play Arnold Schwarzenegger, who will come and like I've come back from the future to prevent bugs, so I'm going to kill you both. Yes, and then of course we all know that it, the sort of uh, the Macintosh unveiling there was a, a major shootout with the with the mafia. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the movie already. Exactly. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. It's true. Mostly, I was like thinking, God, I'm old because this. You know, when I was telling people about this, and that it happened 25 years, you know, more than that, you know, some number of years ago it happened actually just before i moved to san francisco and i was very excited and i was talking to a colleague of mine in new york at the time saying when you go there get me a next and i was just again thinking about what it was like in the in the pre-networked world where you didn't have instantaneous information and and, and it was practically it's like let me know when 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 the, the the pony express brings word in the mail pouch about how the introduction of the next computer contraption turned out it was quite strange wasn't it that you would um Back then, you would wait for your monthly computing magazine to find out what had been going on in the world, and and you'd you'd have heard some of the gossip, maybe on something like uh, CompuServe or something yeah. like that. Uh, oh no, eighty eight. No, you wouldn't have even heard that, would you? I think that was a bit later again. So you'd you'd wait for your your monthly magazine to tell you what had been going on, and whereas now, you know, we don't talk about stuff on this show that happened this morning because it's considered old news. Yeah, and by the fact that by the time it takes me a week to edit it, it's very. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. 
But otherwise, uh, I, I also had some other kind of uh, interesting experiences today. We are, are hoping to submit version 3.2 of our app on Friday, and we had our, our golden master made last night. Um, and uh, I had once again some some fun times with a PH uh, image manager and the, well with PhotoKit. Yeah, you haven't used it yet, or have you? Nope, not used PhotoKit at all. And I'm uh, I'm waiting for you to fully debug it, John. <laughs> no, no. Remember, remember what well, we said last week when we were talking about what? misinformation and um, oh, right. you know not you know not shouting out frameworks are broken and, and all that sort of stuff until you've done thorough testing. So you will be. You will be held to account held by to your standard. own standards as after we've reported this. So, John, okay. with that in mind, fire away. Okay. Well, no, the the, the transition. I, I feel absolutely confident in saying that the transition from from AL Asset Library to 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 Photos Kit has been a little bit tricky, and I think it, I think I'm on firm ground there. And and I also get that from Apple's perspective, it is a difficult transition. So what happened is during our testing, I said, okay, you know, let's let's look very very carefully because I'd done some changes to our photo picker. We have a, a fairly complicated photo picker because. Uh, we don't, you know, we could use the standard photo picker, but then that just dumps you into a rather large library. And since Findry is about leaving notes in places, uh, we want to to give, you know, smooth the way for leaving a note. So uh, if you are in Paris, for instance, and you open up the photo picker to leave a note, we want to, to first show you photos that are in Paris because it would appear that those are most likely the, the photos that you'd want to, to do. And then that would make a subset. So in order to do that, we have to, at the, at the startup of the app, I have to, to essentially you know, load up the contents of the entire photo array and I have to make uh, my own you know, asset uh, model class to represent each one just so I can have a place to, to hold the, 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 the latitude and longitude and the date it was created so I can do very, very fast in-memory searches. So it's kind of a, a trade-off between a, you know, taking some time with a heavy background process in the beginning to make it instantaneous to do things um, uh, throughout the course of the app. So I made that trade-off. And uh, in the case of the asset library world, it, it, basically every asset that you'd ever deal with would be on your phone. And then slowly but surely over the last you know, couple of releases, Apple's introduced this idea that in fact, people's photo libraries are very, very large and they want to access them from, from all their devices so that they've introduced the idea about you know, your photos in the cloud. And as you may have noticed, uh, they released beta versions of, of, of iOS 8.3, I believe it is, and 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 whatever the, the appropriate uh, uh, release of, of, of uh, OS X, so that you can have the new Photos app, which, among other things, has this idea that you have this one big library, and yes, it will be stored in the cloud, and on all your devices, you'll have, at the bare minimum, the thumbnails and the metadata, which is great. So anyway, in our testing, it turns out that 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 uh, colleague of mine had set things up so that you know numbers of her photos weren't on her device, and I go to test it, and she goes, "Look, I'm tapping on the thumbnail, and I'm not seeing anything. You're you're," and she didn't use this word shit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, you know say I'm gonna how do I say uh, uh, since I'm talking, I get to invent what she said. She goes, "Fox, your shit just doesn't work. What's the matter with you?" Um, anyway, so I had a look at it, and it turns out that indeed that was the case. And so I had to go back and 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 uh, look very carefully at the at the data that comes back. So the API that you use to work with is is all asynchronous with with PhotoKit. So whereas with AL Asset you can ask for a thumbnail, you can ask for essentially the full screen size representation. You you can't do that directly for PhotoKit. You have to basically say, please give me an image, and here's my return block to handle the data when it comes back. 
all fine and well. So I'd already adapted all that, but then there's one other key that I'd missed where you have to say allow network access. So you do that and then you come back and you get the image. So I'm all high-fiving myself, um, but then I realized that it was there was another problem is that that the the your block that you pass to it will get called more than once if if, if the image is is in, in almost every single case. So that basically what they want to do is like, okay, well, for a given photo asset, we may have already rendered a, a thumbnail of a certain size, right? And and if that's the case, we can give that to you right away in the return block. But if you're asking for something larger than something we've rendered in cache, you know, we'll have to call you back. And so that in addition to returning the image, they also return a dictionary and the dictionary contains a bunch of, of, of key value pairs that tell you about what you got back. Basically, so they'll tell you, for instance, uh, whether the image was degraded or in the first instance, whether the image you're requesting is an, an iCloud asset. So you can then, for instance, put up a, a, a download spinner or something like that to tell the users, like, yeah, we'll get to your image and you can do some other techniques. So all that's great. So, But here's the problem. And, and yes, I've filed this in Radar and, and, and I'm not the only one who's found this. So I feel confident that that the the key piece of information that they give you that they say that the image that we are returning to you is degraded which means not that you know much much smaller size than what you've asked for um, always returns true so you can't rely that on uh, rely on that piece of information to 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 make the decision about what you want to do so i in in my testing i was like saying how come i'm not you know, because you want to do something different. You have a small, low-res thumbnail image. That's fine. You can blow it up. But when it comes time, for instance, to to posting the note, you really don't want to post with a low-res image. You want to wait until the the high-res one comes in. And I'm like going, okay, well, I'll look for the, the, a, a, a true, you know, a false value for is this image degraded? And I was it was always coming back the same, no matter what. So I did file the radar and saying it's hard for us to to use this piece of information if it doesn't change. So I ended up, since I wanted ship, I said, well, was there some other way we could tell whether the image is the right size? And I said, well, I can ask the image that comes back, what size are you? And then make a determination based on that. But all that was my long-winded uh, uh, speech to say, A, you have to be very, very careful in, in, in your experiments, be very careful with your data. And B, uh, if there is a problem with a framework that you're using, no matter who writes it, uh, don't fall over and cry in the corner think about another way you could get to answer the question i mean this is i guess the problem is when you're dealing with a a framework that is a fundamental well i don't know about it, but is a core part of the os i mean you've not chosen if you choose to use a third-party framework and right. a third-party framework has problems then go find another framework or yep. if it's open source right it yourself fix the problem and you know really that's it you know um that's it. But, but when you're dealing with stuff, you know, yes, are there problems in the core photo? Uh, th th this stuff, yes, and you don't. Well, you do have the choice of going using a third-party framework, but um, it's you know, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't really want to take a step away from the functionality, especially in in iOS, where a lot of the time the only things that have access to certain parts of what is going on are the core frameworks and when they're not working um it, it makes life life difficult and yeah when you know apple is renowned for being working with small teams and if you're looking you know many of those teams are resource stretched 
and yes this is a serious bug to you because of the type of app you're using or um, you know sometimes there may not be a workaround but it's not necessarily going to be a high priority bug and, and it does leave you in a little bit of a, a difficult situation in those, in those cases and, and fi- obviously you must do all the stuff like filing a radar and making sure people are aware of it but you know and then what do you do you know i mean you find a workaround well you know, it's yeah. it's um you know how much of our developer time is is getting uh because you know it, having a property that is called is image degraded great but if that property is never telling you the truth that's actually more harm than good, it not being there in the first place that's true and, and this is the funny thing and you know it, it's always kind of good news bad news you know the bad news is, is that things don't work as advertised the good news is is that you know apple is using that same framework right you know i can and so you know and, and then that's that's kind of the thing is, is that it, it is helpful in this particular case because since there is only one official store for photos that you can access, uh, you can always kind of compare your experience with the Apple Photos app, for example. And so I could, I could the first thing I did without having to do any coding or, or set any breakpoints or anything like that is just, you know, you know, she shows me the problem on her device. I go to her, her Photos app and said, can you find that same image? Yes. She taps on it and then boom, you can see that there's a degraded image which is used and there's a little spinner and so that's great so that 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 you know uh helps confirm the hypothesis and it it made it easy for me to figure it out it would have been much more difficult if i was using some third-party library to get to some data set and and apple was using their own one um so but that's the the good news bad news the 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 bad news is that uh it, it would it would it would seem to appear that either apple has you know, access to other API, and that's that's off often the case. I mean, I, I, it's not clear to me whether the the mechanism for finding out the progress of your download is available because they had a very nice kind of percentage spinner. It wasn't it wasn't just a, in, an indeterminate spinner. It was a kind of a pie chart that became a full circle. So you know, I, and I, I've scoured the docs. I haven't found anything that tells you what the progress for your download is. So there's probably some internal app, Apple uh, API, but you know, again, it's it's you got to ship, you got to figure these things out, and then you have to help to make things better. And your your contribution as a third-party developer to help make things better is to file coherent radars and file test cases. And then the, the, the world gets better because you have to remember, and this is something that, that, that I always remember that, that Buzz Anderson used to say, um, that, you know, look, everybody thinks that, they, that there's some secret laboratory, but no, in fact, you know, Apple has human beings and their developers. And yeah, they have they have lots of resources and probably higher quality food in their cafeteria than the average company. But still, you know, they're under a lot of pressure and it's been, you know, pretty widely discussed at the, you know, the breakneck pace at which releases have been made. So you can't be surprised that that that, that you're going to have APIs that that um, that you know, where there are going to be some internal things that are likely to change that haven't been kind of baked enough to be made public. And, oh, my God, there will be bugs in, in software. Who knew? So, yeah, suck it up, find a workaround, help make it better. True, true. So um, <clears throat> that's has that been your major challenge? I mean, you're, you're going for quite rapid releases here because it's only been a couple of weeks since we spoke about three point. Two? One. Now yeah. you're going for 3.1 and now you're uh, 3.1, yeah, no. So do you have a, yep. um, are you looking at, at, at doing, I'm just interested to know, do you do sort of small incremental releases where the, how do you define what's going to go between 3.2 and uh, 3.3 or 3.1 and 3.2? Do you have a, you know, we must always have two new features or we must fix six bugs? No. Um, you want quite a rapid schedule. How, how do you work that out as a team? 
Well, I mean, we've we've gotten to the point where we said, you know, if it's good enough for for companies like Facebook to to release essentially once a month, give or take, to be able to fix bugs and put in some incremental features, it's good enough for us because uh, you know there there will always be things that you don't find. They just they just will be. You know, you, you, you could have all the resources in the world with all the different versions of of of, of iOS that you're going to support and the, and the different things, and there will be some subtle thing that you did not realize. And especially, you know, as, as things become a little bit more open, there may be a new third party keyboard that you didn't test with, whatever. So that that being the fact of life, I think having a kind of a regular release schedule is good because then it basically it, it removes the panic. Because if you think, oh my god, if I don't release this, it's going to be six more months. So let me let me. Put Put this out there and then you run the risk of making regressions similarly you want to make small improvements and you kind of have to time things you have to kind of guess you know how how uh, how long can we wait or when will it become absolutely necessary that we need to support this you know in, in let's use this specific example how long will it be before there's a critical mass of people that have you know there a lot of their photos no longer on their device and i think that that's coming pretty quickly um, so basically having a, a regular schedule makes things a lot easier in terms of what goes into it. We also, you know, we're working on two week sprints. So we basically for one release, we have two sprints to be able to add some features and and fix some bugs. And we just basically we're human beings, you know, so we say, what can we get in there? And we make the decision based on what's ready and what's not. Right. So if, if a feature is not finished or again, in this particular case, um, the, the the what you can do on the iPhone for Findery is is largely conditioned by what the API has, right? And even what the API has, since it's content related, you know, it, it, what is the state of the tools used to manage the data, right? So if we roll out a new feature, we have to roll it out for a platform, right? And so we have to make sure that that it's ready for everywhere, specifically because you've got things like URLs that are going to be shared, so that you know you may have somebody that's looking at a note on on Findery for the web, and they may want to share, it, and that goes on Facebook, and then somebody may be prompted to download the Android version. So you, there are all these things you have to keep in mind and so you really the only way that you can make decisions the only sane way is is based on is it ready for release and so instead of kind of creating death march fictions where you can say these things will will ship on this date come hell or high water it's basically we we, we've gone to an incremental release so it, it makes things a little bit more sane how we choose a specific feature you know, and, and what we call it, there's there's kind of simple things. I mean, if it's bug fixes, we, if it's just a bug fix release, then we tend to go to a hundredth place decimal. So it'll be from 3.00 to 3.0.1, you know, 3.0.1 or 3.01, however you do it. Um, if there's a reasonable new feature, we'll do 3.1, 3.2, so kind of a, a, a tenth place. Um, so that's that's how we kind of manage it. It, it, this type of development is something that became possible and, and you could be more relaxed about doing it when you had uh, you know automatic updates so you could and, and, and we've borne this out you know ourselves by looking at our, our numbers and we say overwhelming majority of people have automatic updates and so uh, we just kind of say look just fix the thing and because it, it's you know we don't have the problem of we shouldn't be releasing new features because people haven't paid for them it's a free app so we always want people to have the, the latest and greatest so, okay, I'm just interested in a little bit more of your processes here. You work on two-week sprints. We work on two-week sprints where we are, um, where I'm working as well. Um, uh, uh, so how do you um, how do you allocate the time in a two-week sprint? Are, are you using, first of all, are you using some agile method or are you just using the word sprint because you're doing things in two-week two blocks? 
We are now. We we we're we're kind of agile. I'd say with a, with a lowercase a. We are not religious about it. We do use Trello. We, we tried to different things. Trello seemed for us to, to be the, the the simplest thing that everybody you know everybody on the on the team, no matter what they did, could could get behind. It's very very simple. It's 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 nice. It's a it's a pleasant use sticker experience. And I'm 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 <laughs> I'm blocking out because of, of bad memories the other app that we're using because it was very it's much more sophisticated but it was uh, which could calculate your velocity and things like that. Um, and and uh, oh god, what was the name of the app? Oh well, it doesn't matter. Uh, so uh, that so yes, we do use kind of agile light. Okay, because we we use um. Uh, we use Trello for tracking some things, and we use Pivotal Tracker for Pivotal. Yeah, um, Pivotal. That's the, the yeah, Pivotal. stories and velocities because we are across teams, which which we quite like actually. We it it um it seems to work quite well for us. Um, I mean, one of the things about Agile is is how do you handle bugs? Bugs is always a big question, isn't it? Do you uh, velocity yeah. is supposed to be about improvement you make to your application, whereas bug fixing is actually getting right what you got wrong before. So should you? allocate points to it or not points to it so how do you balance um how much you're going to get done in a, in a sprint between sort of new work and, and bugs do you do you just sort of take a gut feel for what you're going to achieve and how long these bugs are going to take and you know how, how do you sort of work that stuff out i'm just interested in how other people do this as well yeah well i mean a couple of things one is is that we we allocate time we have to say look on any given release we have to handle bug fixes we just have to so that 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 goes up on a card right and it and it, i will say that we, we we try to take a much more holistic version of of development because it's not just all about software right so it's like we could you know on the back end on any of the front ends we could say yes we've, we've built up this functionality we have tests you know we know that it's working but if 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 it's all hinged upon you know somebody who's in in, in CCM content community and and, and and marketing you know the, the people who are doing things like seeding notes doing blog posts and and curating data that you know and content that's on our site that has to be in there so if it's not there you know uh, it's not there right so it, 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 it to me in terms of the overall software process uncompleted tasks or you know that are just as much a bug as as software that 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 doesn't handle an error condition right so so and as a result you know if you break it down to like well it, there's doing done you know to do and we have no problem in saying we're in the middle of this and you know what we're not going to get it done so boom off it goes to the to done you know sorry to, to the you know to to do and we can pull another card and put it up on the stack and so we don't have a problem with changing in in, in midstream and adapting to it we like to be agile about it um, <laughs> the other thing that we do is is you know we, we we try to have meetings and blocks so that you know monday we have a big all hands meeting and that's looking at the overall health of things. We're looking at numbers and, 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 and what we're working on and where we're going and so on and so forth. And then right after that, we have bug scrub, right? And, and we have bug scrubs where we're looking at all the three platforms, backend, iOS, and, and, and uh, Android. And, and in the backend, it's, it's kind of the, 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 the website as well, right? So, you know, and, and the, the teams are, are on each other's bugs. So it's an interesting kind of pressure because you don't want to waste other people's time. So, you know, with, with lengthy kind of unimportant side discussions about things. So we tried to become pretty disciplined about that and get all our meetings in a block done. Um, and then, then we have check-ins, right? So we have checkpoints on, on Thursdays when we then have a stand-up in the morning very, very quickly to be able to say what you're working on. Are there any blockers? And then Fridays, 
we have team lunches, and so then we'll sit around. At the end of a sprint, we'll formally show a demo, um, but on Fridays, we, we may end up talking about it. And, and that's kind of a, within a two week sprint, there's enough time to be able to, we find, you know, uh, get a significant chunk of work done. You know, have a process that 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 uh, you know has as reasonable affordance to, to to ship quality, and and to be able to say you know if, if something needs to slip, let's slip it. And 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 when you have proper <laughs> source code source control, and you've been pushing everything in with with you know using pull requests and, and small kind of chunks, if you decide hey, I can't ship that feature, you can just you know undo that or you know you know undo just that little piece and and keep going. Cool. I, I think the point with with agile, isn't it, is is be agile. Don't don't get stuck within a religious system and spend hours arguing over stuff. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, when we've been, we're a fairly new project. When we were working on uh, the whole bunch of stuff, first of all, it was nice and easy. Now we're starting to get bug reports back in. How do you prioritize bugs compared with moving forward? And if you're not careful, you can get locked down in the system you're using, as opposed to just saying, well let's just spend a week debugging and work it out and see what's left in and then fill the rest of our sprint up when we know what's got left and be flexible about that as opposed to you know having to get yourself get, get yourself in a knot so it's uh yeah it's always interesting so how many um roughly how many people are working is a team with what you're doing uh, we're a bloated company with 12 people so yeah, huge. And so there, there, yeah, I know there are eight in engineering and, and four what we call CCM, and we have some contractors as well. But you know, uh, iOS, there's I'm the lead, and there's there's a there's one other person working on it. Hello, Ashley, um, who who is great, and uh, yeah, there's never been more than two people working on it. This is we, we are a little bit more resource now because it used to be kind of me and and a person who split his time on other things, and he's on paternity leave right now. So yes, this is the this is the first time in, since I've been working on it. There's actually two full time resources on on iOS, which is spectacular. <laughs> but as soon as there are multiple people, it changes the dynamic, doesn't it? We've got um, I think we're at six engineers. Three on iOS, one on Android, um, mm-hmm. and a couple on the back end. Um, yeah, and, and and it's part of it is 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 actually synchronizing the workflow, especially when you're working with a client and maybe some middleware and a back end. You know, synchronizing your two week sprint that actually the iOS team can do what they need to do because the back end team have already done what they are going to do. Um, that's where you know it, it just takes a little bit of coordination, but it it's cool. Anyway, John, I'm glad to glad that you found a workaround for your problem. It just um, you know, and and so when you're going to submit Friday, you say. That's the plan. Okay, so by the time uh, we meet next week, in fact, probably no way the way things will be going by the time I edit this show, because um, <laughs> Friday's tomorrow as we're recording, but Friday will probably be about a week ago by the time I release this. But there we are. <laughs> Well, John, we've hit our 30 minutes. We should probably stop waffling. We've had um, a bit of a waffle today, but it's but I've enjoyed hearing about um, the way you're working and what you're up to, So, because I find that stuff interesting. Hopefully, at least two or three other people out there have as well, um, amongst our, what is it, our sinking audience, <laughs> as you, you yeah. described it, as you've allowed our audience to sink. They're now well and truly drowned. So, John, tell people where they can find you. <laughs> Well, you can find me on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitter as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And you can find all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And my name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You'll be able to find the show notes for this show at ideveloper.co, where you can also subscribe to get them by email. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, until next time, you take care. <laughs>